for security? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. This is Friday, thank goodness, December 22nd, 2023. This is episode number 521 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, LaGrat, Jeff Watala, Kimberly Can Fix It, BSEC on the way into the office on vacation, Funky Monk, Justin Rohr, Marcus, Kyler, Adam, the whole Yeet crew, Ms. Julian up in the great New England space, Tony Parrish, all up in South Florida, coming at you left, right, and center. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So if you're looking to um, you know, drive cyber risk reduction for your business, maybe you're, you're doing uh, you know, threat hunting in Microsoft Office 365 because your end users are clicking on stuff that they shouldn't. And even though you had every single control you possibly could have in place, you couldn't control Carl. <gasps> or if you're looking to break into the industry, believe me, you're going to get asked in any single job interview. How do you stay current on the industry right here? This is the answer. Plus, Augusto Delgado, Chris Young, uh, Regine Franklin, like the networking over here on the other side of the screen is chef's kiss so get in here make the circle wider everyone's invited ben dropping five gifted subs thanks so much ben so enjoy those gifted subs if you, if you are one of the lucky people who are about to pick those up enjoy miss julian just got a gifted sub go ahead and jump into that emote tray i'm going to use the oprah emote because you get a sub, you get a sub, you get a sub. And not like a New England D'Angelo's number 99 type sub either. You know what I'm saying if you're up in that area. Woo. All right. Before we get into it, though, let me say uh, shout out to the stream sponsors, starting with Panopsi Security. Panopsi Security, get a partner who understands your cyber program and business goals. They are basically information security experts who can help you build a SecOps capability, do tabletop exercising, come in, take a analysis and uh of your cyber program and hook you up marcus kyler celebrating his triumph entrance into the blue badge club welcome marcus it looks good on you been looking forward to two to many years to come marcus kyler official president of the yeet crew 
and longtime hashtag longtimer Marcus. Great to see you. Thanks so much for the continued support. It's great to have, um, you know, just you know, have you in the community for as long as you've been, and to, to meet you in person in Vegas. That was good. All right. Also, want to share. Oh, go to Panopsi.com if uh, you'd like to check out Panopsi and see what Brandon Poole and his team can do for you. Shout out to Anti Siphon Training. Now, many of you know Anti Siphon Training. Uh, some of you may have caught the live stream last night with Bo Bullock, uh, educator of the breaking, uh, I think it's breaking out of the cloud uh, course at Anti-Siphon Training. Here's the deal. Anti-Siphon Training is disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing high quality, cutting edge education to everyone, regardless of financial position, offering their students the opportunity to learn skills, practice what's taught and engage with the community in a fun, inclusive way. Absolutely. I love it. John Strand, Anti-Siphon. Anti-Siphon's got the emotes right there. Giddy up on that. John Strand emotes. If you're interested in learning about um, uh, pen testing in Office 365, go check out last night's live stream with Bo Bullock. It was super sick. Uh, but the link in the description below can take you to Anti-Siphon's training. And I want to call your attention to the, and you can see it if you're watching live online with us, Pay what you can training. This is a subset of the anti-siphon training that you can take all of these courses for $0. And these aren't just like jack wagon lead magnet courses. These are full on learn and apply skills courses, three of which are taught by John Strand himself, the guy who's over Black Hills Information Security and just an amazing human being uh, and a really, really good cyber practitioner. So let me get my chapstick here. So shout out to anti-siphon training go check it out and obviously barricade cyber but more about them at the mid-roll if you are here with us right now or you're watching on replay guess what you're entitled to a half a cpe that's right continuing professional education credits you get one because this is essentially a, a cyber focused webinar if you want to remove all the fun from it and make it sound super boring and dry this is a webinar but we, 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 we gussy it up and make it fun. So half a CPE, because we're being conservative and saying only 30 minutes. We're not taking the full hour. Take a screenshot of you saying what's up in chat and file it away in a little folder on your desktop every single day. And then when it's time to file your CPEs, you just count the number of files, multiply it by 0.5, move along. And you have auditable evidence if you need it ever for um, the CPEs. So what do you say in chat if you're not sure what to say, if you're not part of the Yeet crew? Well, you could say hashtag Team SC because my friend Chris Young, Kimberly, Funky Monk, Q-Dip, Dan Ogle, Mia, you're all part of Team SC. We are the Simply Cyber community. So hashtag Team SC in chat. Absolutely love it. And if it is your first time on the show, you picked a heck of a day, December 22nd. Oh, wow. Come on in here. We love our first timers. We love, you know, and we love making it, uh, you feel welcome because we want you here. So if it's your first time on the show, hashtag first timer in chat, hashtag first timer in chat. And heck, it, it is the holiday season. Let's have some fun. If you're a long timer, hashtag long timer in chat. I, I don't, uh, I'm not only looking at the first timers. I am looking at the long timers too. Uh, thank you all so very much. It's It's been so wonderful and it continues to be so wonderful about um, having the Simply Cyber community and uh, doing what we do day in and day out. I love it. All right, guys. 
guess what? Even though we're having a good time, we do have work to do. So let's get into it. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for... What's up, Juan Rodriguez? Welcome to the party, pal. Let's get that emote going for this Juan Rodriguez. Priceless pancakes dropping super chats. Simply Cyber is so hot right now. <laughs> that Hansel's so hot right now. Simply Cyber is so hot right now. Thank you very much for the super chat. Priceless pancake. Happy holidays to you. Anthony Agbor, welcome. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Good to see you. Hashtag old timer. That's right. Let's go. Friday, December 22nd, 2023. I'm Steve Prentice. Indian tech company HCL investigating ransomware attack. The attack was reported to regulators on Wednesday and is being described as occurring in, quote, an isolated cloud environment for one of its projects, end quote. HCL Technologies is one of the largest tech companies in the world. The company reps stated, quote, there has been no impact observed due to this incident on the overall HCL tech network, end quote. Okay. An old malware. All right. Um... Okay, I never heard of this, but it doesn't surprise me. HCL is basically a tech company. I, I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't understand. Are they like making technology or are they like, you know, like um, Samsung or are they like a huge MSP or are they like, um, you know, uh, like a government contractor that makes technology products? Uh, you know what I mean? Like I don't, I've never heard of HCL, which is kind of interesting because they're literally the largest tech company in the world. Uh, I don't know if anyone else has heard, heard of HCL. I do know that we have some Simply Cyber community members that are from India or, or reside in India currently. So uh, any context on this would be interesting. But basically, guys, if you're the biggest boat in the in the harbor, you're eventually going to... Someone's going to... If you're the biggest boat in the harbor and someone's shooting uh, torpedoes all over the place, you're eventually going to get hit with one, right? I, I'm actually kind of stunned that this company hasn't been hit already considering ransomware has been very, very dominant for the last six years or so. So um, I guess, I don't know. I'll, I'll give a hat tip to uh, CISO series here. This is a cybersecurity story, but doesn't seem like there's much to it. Um, basically a company got hit with ransomware, like welcome to a day that ends in Y Lazaro with a super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Uh, that's funny. Cause he's leaving HCL tech. Oh boy. <laughs> They're technically an MSP. Thank you, Lazaro. And, uh, super happy for you again. We're celebrating Lazaro who, uh, gave his notice and is actually starting a new job in cyber breaking in. I came in like the Oh, all right. So Alana Boyajian saying many companies use HCL to uh, contract out development and support desk. All right. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. I know when I graduated a thousand years ago, uh, my undergraduate, um, there was a huge wave of uh, outsourcing software development to India. That was like in the early 2000s. Um, and I know uh, there's still a lot of development going over there. So that, that doesn't surprise me. Um, I guess, you know, one kind of takeaway for you as practitioners. If this company is this large and they are an MSP, then we might have a situation that like we did with SolarWinds or with Kaseya 
Uh, if you if you Google either of those, you'll know what I'm talking about. By the way, Solar Winds is arguably the most sophisticated, elegant um, hack of all time. So you definitely want to have awareness of it, if not understand at a lo little bit of a lower level what happened there. Um, but this company, if they're an MSP, here's the deal: they have access to tons and tons of businesses and source code if they're doing development for those businesses. So those are real, real valuable assets. The HCL company going down, that sucks obviously for HCL, but access to all their clients. Think supply chain um, risk here. Uh, so as a practitioner listening to this, if your company has contracted HCL for software development or uh, IT, or if you you might even have to go a little deeper and find out if vendors that you're depending on for critical stuff, um, if they have contracted out to HCL, there could be a ripple effect here. Uh, but it does say just ransomware, which even though ransomware sucks for everybody, um, it's a little bit less bad because uh, t typically, like they're just encrypting and wanting money. They're not trying to like extort you or. Um, you know, like steal, like commit espionage and stuff like that. Um, again, it doesn't say if it was a double, a double attack, double extortion, data Excel and ransomware it just said ransomware. So what, you know, this sucks obviously. And per normal, you should just understand in your ecosystem, your supply chain ecosystem, what companies are you dependent on? And then keep an eye out for them when they get hit. And an old Microsoft office vulnerability revive old problems. Agent Tesla is a type of spyware that has been around for a decade, but threat actors are continuing to exploit an old vulnerability in Microsoft Office to continue to spread it. The vulnerability, tracked as CVE 2017-11882, is a memory corruption issue that affects a Microsoft Office component responsible for the insertion and editing of equations, OLE objects in documents. Microsoft released a patch in 2017 that has seen a spike in the number of attacks leveraging the vulnerability in the past few weeks. Right. According to Security Affairs, in recent campaigns, the attackers sent out spam messages using words like orders and invoices in an attempt to trick recipients into opening weaponized Excel documents. All right. Hold on one second. I, I was, uh, mod chat was getting all up into Home Alone. Um... All right, so I'm just I'm just trying to understand this because Microsoft has come a long way in the last couple of years. Like macros in Office are I don't even like I'm not even sure you can enable them anymore. Like they they like nerfed all that functionality and then for a minute the Felina vulnerability uh spread up uh where threat actors were like doing like a final death knell of trying to get end users to click on silly stuff. So if for this to be exploited um it's. I, I just want to know why. It, you can see here. Once the users have enabled the macro, which would mean you know an end user's got to click on stupid stuff. Um, I shouldn't say stupid stuff. The threat actors do do a very good job of um, socially engineering our end users. It's not because our end users uh, make bad choices. It, it's on us to educate our end users, right? Um, there has to be a patch for this. I mean, like, come on. Even if the flaw was patched in 17, experts at Microsoft continue to see threat actors exploited in the wild. Um, all right, so here's the deal. A couple of things. A um, couple of things here for practitioners to do, okay? And again, I'm scrutinizing this screenshot here uh, to see if it has anything to do with the uh, story. This one actually does look like it does. 
Um, here's a VBS script. Yeah, this actually is a legit. Um, thank you. Thank you for putting an actual accurate screenshot of what the story is talking about. Uh, whoever wrote this article, P Pierre Luigi Paganani. Oh, I probably butchered that. All right. Here's what you need to do as a practitioner. Uh, a couple things. Uh, first and foremost, you gotta patch it. Right. I mean, come on. Obviously, you gotta patch it. Second of all, I mean, there this is a nice uh this is a nice little story um for us to uh to to illustrate a couple points. Okay. <clears throat> there is not one thing you do to defend from this. Okay. We are seeing an uptick in activity of this behavior. So what do we do to drive the risk down? What do we do to lower the likelihood? Because we're not really changing impact too much. It's it's far easier to change likelihood in this case. So for phishing attacks, okay, one, um, obviously your email security gateway should be looking for these type of things. Um, two, if you can get indicators of compromise, um, or not indicators of compromise, but um, like C2 infrastructure, like wherever the URL is that the uh, VB script is going to be pulling from, threat actors can change that, but it is a little bit of pain um, to, to um, have to rotate IP addresses and stuff. But at a minimum, you put it in and like you're just good to go. Three, educate your end users. Educate your end users to not enable macros. This is bad. And I would argue it's very, very valuable to show them what it looks like. Because um, if you haven't seen this yet, um, uh, ML macro, ML. All right. Um, look at this is what it looks like. Okay. I just want to show everybody this. This is what it looks like if you're watching on stream. If you're listening, I basically brought up an Excel malware file. An end user is going to see this and they're going to read this picture. This is just an image. There's no document. There's no content. There's nothing behind this. This is just a JPEG or a GIF or a PNG, Alana. Um, and if, if you're in the team GIF, it, it's a GIF. You might you might be like, what are you saying with GIF? It's just a picture. And it's just telling you that you have to enable content. This is what it is. So show an end user because you want to show them what it looks like before they open an email and, and open an Excel document and find this. Also, I would recommend targeting your accounts payable people and your sales team. They literally said in the email, the uh, excuse me, in the story that the emails are coming in saying that there's invoices attached and receipts attached. I've also heard an uptick in um, activity. This is unrelated to the story, but I've heard it in the last two days of an uptick in activity of emails coming in with uh, the subject line having to do with uh, a proposal, like requested proposal um, and like see attached. So like salespeople, they're constantly, you know, proposal quotes, whatever. So they're expecting these type of things. So show them this is malware. Don't click on this. Don't do it. You don't want it. Okay. And then finally, um, Agent Tesla malware. This thing is the, uh, I mean, what, what, would, what would you call it? This is like Coke or um, Sprite or Pepsi, right? Like you find it everywhere. It doesn't matter where you go, what store you walk into, what restaurant you're in, they've got it, right? Agent Tesla is everywhere. It, it really is like the 2023 version of Emotet. Like it's it, it's an ish, it's a dropper. It gets in there. It can do spying, key logging, download additional payloads. It's nasty business. What I would say is 
you should do detection tuning for looking for agent Tesla behavior, right? Getting into kind of the TTPs of how agent Tesla works. Additionally, go thread hunting for agent Tesla, right? It, it's literally, if you're going to spend one ounce of energy on a very specific piece of malware versus general bad behavior, agent Tesla is worth it, right? Because like, let me, let me just show you again. Sorry. Uh, I don't know why, but I'm feeling I'm feeling like motivated to go deep on this one today. This is malware bizarre. This is where I get my malware. Okay, everybody's got a, their own. Everybody's got their malware repo, right? I think VX Underground's pretty popular. I've always enjoyed malware bizarre. You could see right here on screen. I just went here. This is a live. This is live, right? I'm always live. Right here, dead center. Agent Tesla most seen malware family in the last 24 hours. It's almost always the most seen malware family. I'm telling you, I don't, I don't cruise in malware bazaar often, you know, maybe a couple times a month, but when I'm here, agent Tesla is up in your face. And this is end user cybersecurity practitioner submitted malware uh, samples. Okay. So this is based on a large corpus of data. This isn't like, this isn't like malware bazaars, agent Tesla fan website or something. Okay. Uh, final disclaimer, do not download and execute malware unless you know what you're doing. Please, you can easily self-infect yourself. This is not defanged malware. Just as a disclaimer, don't go take Matt Kiley's uh, PMAT course if you want to play with malware and get better at malware, but don't, do not detonate malware unless you are know what you're doing. Okay. Like I, I've seen it happen. It's not good. Okay. All right. Okay. New JavaScript malware targets banks. This new campaign has been seen targeting banks in North and South America, Europe and Japan and affecting at least 50,000 users and is aimed at stealing users online banking account credentials. The malware has not yet been given a name, but researchers at IBM are observing similarities between it and a known stealer and loader family known as DanaBot, D-A-N-A-B-O-T. It is a dynamic malware that provides different courses of action, but in one of its forms, it creates a fake bank customer login page followed by a notice that states that online banking services will be unavailable for a period of 12 hours, thus deterring customers from accessing their accounts while the malware owners do their thing. Oh, nasty. All right. You know, it's kind of funny, like not funny, haha, funny, not funny, like James McQuiggan dad jokes, funny, but funny in like a sad but true kind of way. For, for years, for years, like 2010 to 2015, banking malware was like where it was at. Fin7 was like the leader in threat actor space for doing banking malware. It was like banking Trojan. Zeusbot was up in the space. You guys remember all this? And then like ransomware came on the scene. And and uh, you know that you know that meme where it's like the the um the boyfriend and the girlfriend and the boyfriend's like looking back at the uh, attractive woman walking by. Like that's what it was. It was like you or cyber industry. And then like the girlfriend was banking malware and the attractive woman was ransomware. And like that's circa 2016. It's like so true. So anyways, it's sad but true that like banking malware is kind of getting a second career here, playing the, uh, you know, playing arena, an arena tour. Nice job, uh, banking malware. Um, okay, 
now that I'm done with that, JavaScript malware. Okay, so JavaScript um, is really, really interesting because it, first of all, it's interpreted, but most browsers have JavaScript engines built into them. And, and um, browsers execute client-side, meaning on your computer, not on a server. So if you can get JavaScript to execute client-side, they can steal your session tokens, do crypto jacking, all this other jazz. Um, in this instance, it's basically um, getting banking creds, I think, uh, one of the things that they said was interesting is, um, hold on one second, okay, attack chains, whatever. Um, I'm trying to look at how this actually works because, all right, so the victim visits a banking website, the login page is altered to have malicious JavaScript. Okay, so that right there is a problem. I'm not an 100% expert on this. So, um, I would think the banking website is actually uh, threat actors' intention with the web injection module is likely to come. Yeah. So I think what is happening here is um, the banking website is not compromised. You are compromised, Carl. Okay. Oh! You're compromised. Holy Jesus. It's got warm in here. Wicked fast. Um, so the banking website's fine. But essentially, like kind of a man in the middle attack is happening where you go to the banking website, the JavaScript is between your browser and the banking website. So think of like the way Burp Suite works, for example, or any type of proxy. So it's sitting there and it says, oh, you're going to CapitalOne.com or Chase.com. And it will, at that point, inject additional JavaScript. And now it's altered and it's either stealing your credentials or um, I think it's stealing your credentials and then they log in. Uh, and then they can uh, present you with anything uh, on the web page to say that there's a problem, right? Like basically they're in the middle and they're screwing with your banking session. And it's a it's a mix of a technical attack and social engineering attack. And basically they they tell you that, you know, your banking website's not available right now, come back later. And at that point, you're walking away and then the threat actor is now doing whatever they're doing, setting up uh, bill payments to themselves, moving money out of your account, like whatever. Um, so keep your, I guess, just on the surface, what I'm thinking here is keep your browser up to date, right? Ah, you got to patch it. You got to keep your browser up to date, right? So it can't be compromised. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, you really aren't going to disable JavaScript. Um, unfortunately, like the way that, the way that modern, uh, you know, websites and sassy apps work is really um, leverages JavaScript. Um, what the hell? Um, so sorry, Kennedy, like slightly off mic swearing. Um, but you can also, um, if your organization, if it, see, here's the thing, organizationally, you can get threat feeds, um, to block these domains. Cause the, the threat actor has to pull the malware from somewhere, right? The JavaScript's hosted somewhere cause it needs to be decentralized. Um, but if the end user goes out of your network, um, to, you know, they're at home, they're working remotely, they're at the hotel. You can't really protect them unless they're on a VPN. So if you want to force your end users to go over a VPN, that could be useful so you can leverage your own uh, security technologies. Uh, so that's what's up. Way to go, JavaScript. You're making a comeback. All right, we got a super chat coming in from my good friend, James McQuiggan. Did we just become best friends? Yep. And James McQuiggan, shout out to James. I saw it come through one year as a squad member Unbelievable. Congratulations, James. 
James, uh, so happy to have you in the community. Obviously, you've co-hosted with me. You've become uh, a member with Friday Joke of the Week, which we can expect here in a minute. Um, and it's funny because I just met James last year. Like We have been friends forever, but I just met him last year, if, you, if you're picking up what I'm putting down. So James with a $50 super chat. Let's go. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. A joyous time for all. Enjoy the celebration, the food, the company. You will all keep this weekend. Holiday dad jokes delivered. They're on my phone. Hard to believe it's been a year. I agree. It's hard to believe it's been a year. Coffee cup. Cheers, James. I got a sweet uh, custom coffee that I'm drinking right now. It's so good. And uh, thanks so much. What's happening indeed. Twitter X suffers temporary global outage. Early yesterday morning, Thursday, the platform went dark for about an hour, with some users in the U.S., Canada, and parts of Europe and Asia seeing a screen that said only, Welcome to X. Although this was only a brief and quickly resolved issue, the company's numerous controversies and challenges over recent months ensured the story was widely scrutinized. All right. <laughs> okay, uh... I'm going to just take a stab at this. Uh, Tinfoil hack, completely speculative. Um, here's the deal. Ready? It's the holidays. Typically at the holidays, if you've ever been in the military or if you've ever worked in IT, typically during the holidays, the people with the most seniority, the people who have the most experience, they're not there. They want to be at home with their family. The people who are junior um, are, 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 you know, are working the station, right? They're at the post. So this right here, it was only briefly and went down. Who knows? Junior engineer Carl updating BGP records, which th that wouldn't be the case because you were still being served a web page. A BGP, it would have been like 404 not found. So not sure what happened here. I don't think it was cyber a cyber impact, although availability is a real problem. Um, but it sounds like somebody, you know, basically, it makes you think, here, let's have a, uh, let's have a, relevant example you know uh christmas vacation when clark's trying to get the lights to go and the uh wife is turning by the way spoiler alert if you haven't seen it but i, I don't know who hasn't seen it at this point like literally um turning the light switch off and on in the garage like that's what happened here like basically some i, I suspect some junior engineer like was like you know leaving for the day and was like hey you know I care about this environment. I care about climate. Like we always leave this light switch on. I'm going to do the right thing. Click, turned it off. And then like that shut down X for a minute. Don't ask why that light switch is there. Don't ask why uh, that example came to my mind. But basically uh, you flip that back on. Everything's fine. I suspect this was just uh, someone in IT making a boo-boo. And now a word from our sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Is ransomware affecting your business operations? Contact Barricade Cyber Solutions at recoverfromransomware.com. Barricade Cyber Solutions are elite DFIR experts who come to the rescue for businesses like yours daily. The trusted team at Barricade Cyber traces the source of the infiltration and fortifies your defenses. Depend on Barricade Cyber Solutions for your data and system security prevention and recovery. Go to recoverfromransomware.com and set up a time to connect with the team today. Again, that's all one word, recoverfromransomware.com. All right. Good morning to you too, Nicholas Clark over on LinkedIn. 
Here we are at the mid-roll. I'm still doing this manually because because uh, I haven't fixed my mic yet. I promise you, I promise you, when Cyber 101 is done, um, I will uh, get this audio sorted out. Here we go. Yes. That, that famous Bender scene, right? All right, guys. I want to say shout out and thanks to each and every single one of you on this beautiful Friday, December 22nd. Thank you, stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber Panopsi and Anti-Siphon Training for enabling me to bring the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing to you every single day or weekday. If you're getting um, if you're getting value from the stream, educational value, entertainment value, uh, networking value, any type of value at all, please help somebody else find the stream, right? Pay it forward. Hit the like button on YouTube. I don't count the likes. I just know that if enough people who search cybersecurity content hit the like button, then other people who search cybersecurity content will get pushed into their feed, right? Which is how you may have found us. That's how maybe some of the first timers who were here today found us, right? So um, just please take a minute and do that. Let me know. I'm trying to tune it, dial in the audio too. So let me know if the music's too loud, please. Um, all right, we got the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Five minutes a day for two weeks will change your life on your professional network. I promise you, networking is so so valuable. It's you, you can't you can't understate uh, overstate how valuable networking is. So jump on LinkedIn, search for this hashtag: Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Connect to the people posting, comment on their posts, connect with the people in the comments. That's an active action. Passively, the next person who comes through is gonna connect with you because you're in the comments, right? You will be growing your network while you're asleep. Five minutes a day for two weeks time, come back and tell me I was wrong. You won't because trust me, I, this is a proven, this is proven. Uh, right now, the baton is currently with M Ms. Rhonda Rummerfield. Rhonda does not appear to be in chat. Rhonda, if you are in chat, holler at us. I'll give it a minute. And if not, I will tag somebody, uh, some volunteers. All right, here we go. So every single day of the week has a special segment. And Friday is Grayson's Joke of the Week presented by James McQuiggan. There's a little bit of an inside story there, but good news is you're getting the jokes. Here we go. James McQuiggan wants you to know he doesn't buy broken candy canes. You know why? Because they have to be in mint condition. He doesn't buy candy canes because they have to be in mint condition. Also, he wants you to know that the store where Santa Claus buys his suits is going out of business. What? The store where Santa Claus buys his suits is going out of business. It turns out they've been in the red for years. Thank you so much, James McQuiggan, for those seasonal jokes and bringing the heat consistently every single Friday. We wish you the best, and we thank all of you. I, we thank you, James, for bringing those jokes. Rhonda Rummerfield is in chat asking who wants the baton. While you guys, while you guys uh, are figuring that out, let's just play this for a hot minute. I do, like normally I get right back into the news, but I do like this part of the song. Oh, 
right, let's get back to work, everybody. Ivanti urges customers to patch new vulnerabilities. The maker of mobile device management technologies, which includes warehouse scanners and handheld tablets, has released patches for 22 flaws, 13 of which have CVSS ratings of 9.8. The company is recommending customers download and install the Avalanche 6.4.2 installation to help avoid the chances of remote code execution. No evidence of exploitation of these vulnerabilities in the wild has been noted, although during a previous zero-day vulnerability this past summer, CISA pointed out, quote, mobile device management systems are attractive targets for threat actors because they provide elevated access to thousands of mobile devices, end quote. All right, couple things here. One, classic 9.8 vulnerability. That should tell you it's wicked bad, but it's not actively being exploited in the wild that they know of. <clears throat> Second of all, if you don't know Avanti, they say security vendor, their their product does do security stuff, but it's actually much larger than that. I, I worked at a uh, organization that had Avanti, pretty powerful stuff, <coughs> excuse me, allows IT to jump into anyone's box, basically see all running processes. It's, it's quite a powerful um, IT management tool. Excuse me one second. This problem is exclusively within their mobile device management um, avalanche program. So if you're running Avanti, like as soon as I saw this story pop up this morning, I went, I got into email and I tried to fire the director of IT at that company I used to work at in email. Uh, I couldn't find his email address though um, to tell him about this. But now I know it, since it's only on avalanche, uh, which is not a technology being implemented there, it's, it's less of a concern. So if you are running Avalanche, you will know it. Nobody stands up uh, in MDM as shadow IT. That's a nice thing. You're like very unlikely. I mean, I guess some somebody could. You could, but no one's really going to do that. So if you're running Avalanche, you will know you're running Avalanche. If you are, you absolutely need to patch this, okay? Ah, you've got to patch it. Remember, follow best practices with patch management, um, you know, patch a few devices, make sure it doesn't break, then go YOLO. Um, this is not something, unfortunately, unfortunately, y'all, uh, and, it, you know, like, shout out and preach to BSEC. Unfortunately, um, this is one of those things that I know it sucks that it's uh, a holiday weekend, three-day weekend. Threat actors don't take breaks. Um, and this is pretty gnarly. This isn't MDM is designed to be, you know, kind of accessible from different places, different like devices could get hit. Um, if you can, I would say, you know, patch this, prioritize it today if you can. Um, I don't know if you can get IOCs on this. Another thing is in warehouses, they have like warehouse scanners and tablets to help um the you know the production staff like be able to make sure that everything got on the truck the way it's supposed to or that things are working through the workflows so you might not even be able to remotely push all these things you might have to, or a, a scanner might be very specific and running some type of like uh lightweight operating like um busy box type linux operating system or something so it's going to require a little bit of finesse but this one to me 
you you want to you want to be mindful. Like here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of staff who are out in the field at home on vacation, travel to where loved ones are with their mobile devices, running this avalanche MDM and getting popped. That's what I'm thinking. I'd have to do a little bit more research to see if it's like the MDM server that gets compromised or if it's the endpoints that get compromised. Either way, if you're running Avalanche, you should you should definitely it's income it's it's if you're running Avalanche as a cyber practitioner, you have to look into this story. Like that's that's what you have to do. Android malware Chameleon disables fingerprint unlock. Chameleon, really? The Android banking trojan called Chameleon, spelt just like the lizard, has a new version capable of bypassing fingerprint and face unlock protections. According to Bleeping Computer, quote, it does this by using an HTML page trick to acquire access to the accessibility service and a method to disrupt biometric operations to steal pins and unlock the device at will, end quote. Researchers at Threat Fabric are reporting Chameleon is being distributed by the Zombinder service, which poses as Google Chrome and which, quote, glues malware to legitimate Android apps so that victims can enjoy the full functionality of the app they intended to install, making it less likely to suspect that dangerous code is running in the background, end quote. All right. So um, I, I, I pronounce it chameleon, but I also say Jeff. So... We'll just leave that there. Also, was the mid-journey prompt for this lizard right here like Star-Lord lizard? Like that jacket is Star-Lord uh, all day. Um, okay, so here's the deal. This says Android malware, but basically Chameleon can is basically um, a Trojan. This Again, this is taking me back to yesteryear where there used to be applications where you could take a, a, a legitimate binary and stick malware to it, and then it would run as a Trojan. So you could run calculator, but it would also be like a key logger. That's what's happening here. You could take any APK file, essentially. They don't say it that way, but essentially any APK file, any Android binary, and then stick this chameleon malware on it. And it's an instant Trojanized version of malware, allowing you authentication bypass into the device. Now, I do want to point out that the only value of, well, I shouldn't say the only value, but two things. One, the practical approach here is that end users should not be downloading and installing apps on their Android devices, especially uh, organizational owned or controlled devices from anywhere besides the Google Play Store. Google Play Store still has malware in it and you still are at risk, but you're way less likely than downloading some something weird from some, you know, uh, I don't know, like I don't like dark web website, right? Just to be silly. Now, the other thing I would point out is um, you know, there probably is IOCs that you can look for uh on the endpoint itself to see if it's running this uh chameleon malware. So if you're running MDM and you have some type of detection or EDR running on those devices, you could see, I think it's way less likely to notice network artifacts and network traffic related to this, as opposed to seeing actual like process execution on the endpoints and detecting the malware that way. That's how I would look for the malware if I was going to go threat hunting for it. Finally, it disables unlock and steals pins. Here's my thing, okay? Unlocking your phone and stealing your pins to unlock your phone, that's only useful if I physically have your phone. As far as I know, 
No one's like remoting into an Android phone and like, like at that point, like you don't need authentication bypass unless I'm mistaken. Maybe you do need to bypass authentication to make the phone accessible remotely. I'm not, I haven't done research in that area, but to me, if it's just to physically, uh, to be able to bypass initial authentication on the, the uh, biometrics or the pin on the uh, unlocking the phone, well, then you'd have to physically have the phone, which totally reduces the likelihood of that attack from happening. Like, unless you're a, a child, right? Hello, Kennedy. Um, unless you're a child, like who, who like, un unless you're a child or you're like hammered right now, like who puts their phone down or loses their phone and doesn't think about it for a period of time? Like, in, in my opinion, in 2023, your phone is like probably more valuable and more personalized and more important to you than your purse or your clutch or your wallet, right? Like it holds everything. When you lose your phone, you immediately go get a new one. If you haven't found your phone, call me. I need my phone. Like no one's like, oh, I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll put my phone down and just come back to it next week or something. So like the physical attack is kind of limited. Of course, if you're a VIP, I mean, what is the likelihood of this scenario? You're a VIP and you're running Android. I would say a lot run iPhones. You're a VIP, you run Android, you have this Trojan installed on your device because you downloaded something and a threat actor gets physical access and you don't detect that they have stolen it. So you haven't sent a remote wipe command yet. And they 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 bypass it, and they get whatever their action on objective is. Like um, like thirty things have to happen for for it to be bad, bad, right? So I don't know. Chrome zero day fix released for already exploited flaw. Google Chrome's fix deployed on Wednesday is to manage a vulnerability tracked as CVE 2023-7024, which affects desktop versions of Chrome on Mac, Linux, and Windows. The flaw was reported by the Threat Analysis Group at Google on December 19th and was found in WebRTC, an open-source project communication API for web browsers and mobile applications. All right. Uh, so a couple things here. Google Threat Actor uh, Group, the Google Tag, um, they are awesome. Google Project Zero and Google Tag are awesome. Um, obviously, Google is uh awesome um so so definitely check this out now this says exploited in the wild i mentioned that earlier with the avanti story this means your risk profile goes up significantly with this as soon as the stream ends i will be right clicking my about page and updating my google chrome because i'm using google chrome right now i'll also do it on my phone if you can push this update you gotta patch it you got to patch it. You got to patch it. Okay. It's being actively exploited in the wild. That is enough to say, go, 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 uh, go, go gadget, uh, up, go, Chrome update. All right. It affects desktop versions, Mac, Linux, and windows. So your mobile device doesn't need to be updated. Although it doesn't mean that the vulnerability isn't there. It just means it's been found on the Mac, Linux, and windows. So for best practices, I would update it. Um, the bug is a heap buffer overflow. Don't think in 2023 stack overflows and heap overflows don't exist. And they're just like an academic exercise. They are there. Um, let's see. Here's an interesting thing. Google 
pointed to the WebRTC and pointed out where the problem is, but they haven't released any information as to how the bug is exploited. Um, and they didn't release any information about specific attacks. So they're keeping that in-house. I do want to remind everybody that a patch can be reversed and a lot of um, threat actors, fr frankly, will reverse a patch to figure out what the patch fixed so then they can you know, know exactly where to look in the code um, to look for a vulnerability, right? It, it's, very, it's pretty much a, a, a roadmap. Uh, imagine if you will, imagine if you will, a, um, a car that gets uh, like a scratch on it, like right? a really nasty, gnarly scratch on it. And then you go and you fix the scratch, right? But you, the paint, the paint you used was like kind of close to your paint color, but slightly off. Or like your, it's the right color, but your car is faded from sun damage over the years. So when a person walks up to your car, they can look right at your car and tell exactly where that scratch was. You don't see the scratch anymore. It looks beautiful, but because they can see the difference. They can look right where the scratch is and understand how that scratch got there, how deep the scratch was, right? This is a little, you know, this is a slightly-ish metaphor, but to my point, it's very easy to use the patch to back it up and see what's up. Oh yeah, you got to patch it. Here we go. Thank you, uh, BSEC. Here we go. This is what you're looking for right here. Push the update button. Take a screenshot of this. Not, not, not on my screen, but right click, put this in an email, send it out to all your end users. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, click update. See you in 2024. End of message. There you go. U.S. launches semiconductor supply chain review for national security. The U.S. Department of Commerce said yesterday that it will launch a survey of the U.S. semiconductor supply chain to address national security concerns from Chinese sourced chips. Specifically, the survey will observe how U.S. companies are sourcing legacy chips, which are described as current generation and mature node semiconductors, with the overall goal being to, quote, reduce national security risks posed by China, end quote. Bees. <clears throat> I, I don't know who said it. I think Valentino, but uh, I just uh, scrubbing over chat. V uh, Firefox has entered the chat. That really, really cracks me up. Uh, that's really, really funny. Um, okay. So more of these geopolitical decoupling of global supply chain, China versus us in the great semiconductor battle of 20 of the, uh, 2020s, right. When, when, um, when flying cars and people that wear, um, I don't know, suits with shoulder pads in them, look back at this time, we, we will talk about semiconductor supply chain and how us uh, was basically squeezing China um, for a while on this one. So uh, it says China import. I, I wonder if they're talking about imports from China or China importing semiconductor technology. The United States has been putting sanctions in place to basically just um, straight up um, undertake, you know, the undertaker from the wrestling, like undertaker choking um, China and their semiconductor uh, access to semiconductors, frankly. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Chinese. Okay. So what they're saying here is Chinese source chips. The U S is concerned about it. So this is an internal U S thing, um, not semiconductor tech going out to China. 
Although I find it funny, like we've literally, or not we, the United States has been dropping the people's elbow on China's access to semiconductor technology. And now we're doing a research of the semiconductor technology coming out of China. So I don't know what we're doing here. We also saw, um, we also saw, um, what was it? Um, somebody, there was something in the news just recently, like yesterday's news about some U.S. company uh, not taking Chinese-based tech inside of, um, inside of like, it was like a, a piece of a larger piece of technology. It was in the news yesterday. Um, but anyways, obviously, I, I, the amount of pub, uh, the amount of reporting that's going on here's my hot take okay this is this is a hot take okay hold on let's do this massive speculation going on right here okay based on the amount of based on the amount of stories that have been coming out and the choking that's been going on uh regarding chinese technology in the united states and the decoupling it's much less of a um undertaker choke hold and to me, it seems more like a concern around um, espionage and uh, kind of uh, teeing up things to compromise critical infrastructure. I imagine in a very much um, tinfoil hat way that the United States has discovered implants in uh, technology and they don't want to raise massive concerns but they are um, aware of it and they're trying to quietly um, decouple and remove the dependency of having that Chinese tech inside of critical systems, ultimately to lessen the ability for China to basically flip a switch and you know either remotely access stuff or shut stuff down. Um, all of that could be pretty bad, pretty powerful. Um, go back and uh, look at the Bloomberg report called... Um, Oh my God. What was that hack called? There, there was a rep here. This is like years ago. Um, Bloomberg uh, report. Tiny. And it was Supermicro, I think. Supermicro was the company. Uh, yeah, let's look at the, the, the. There's a picture with a guy and a finger. Come on. What was that thing called? Tiny finger? I'll just put in tiny finger. No. Oh my God. Oh, Bloomberg. This will be worth it. Trust me. There it is. The big hack. This made big pub public. This right here made huge news. This was October 2018. This made huge news at the time. And basically what happened was um, it was a report in Bloomberg saying that uh, a physical hardware hack had been detected in Supermicro, which is a technology made in China that is used for blade servers that were being implemented and deployed in AWS infrastructure. And it was a physical backdoor that would allow the country of China to basically just jump in uh, to massive amounts of critical infrastructure. And people were losing their minds. Um, the cybersecurity community actually responded. This was a big topic at the time. Bloomberg never retracted the story, but there was a lot of question and sussiness with it. Um, I was on the side that said, it, this is not like, I need more evidence. This isn't legit. Um, but this is 2018 and this positioned or posited the idea that China was baking in remote access and IT capabilities into infrastructure that would be 
deployed worldwide, not just the United States, but like, you know, NATO countries and stuff like that. It, and I'm just saying, again, tinfoil hat, I have no evidence of this. This is just a, you know, a theory. If you were, <laughs> if you had a long-term strategy to kind of, you know, elevate your national power on the global stage, a la BRICS, right? Think of what BRICS is. Then if you could spend the next 10 years slowly deploying technology that had remote access capability or like red button, push the red button and shut down that technology, and you deployed it to all, everybody in the world, including your potential adversaries, that is hugely powerful. And we only have to look at Russia-Ukraine attack to see how powerful that can be. The day that Russia invaded Ukraine back in February of 2022, an hour before the initial invasion, Russia took down the internet, essentially, of the satellites in uh, Ukraine. And that really, really screwed up communications between military to military, government to military, citizens to citizens, citizens to government. It was a hot mess express. And that's why Elon threw, flew Starlink over and got that going. So being able to just instantly cause massive chaos with a, with a, I mean, I'm oversimplifying by saying this hit of a button. That's powerful. Again, I'm not saying that's what's happening, but if you just read the tea leaves here, it, it's been, there's been massive amounts of this type of thing happening over the last five years. So that's what I think is happening. Sides SF returns on May 4th and 5th at the. All right. Ooh, I got to. Look at that. Hey, someone tell Nick Barker. It's 8.59 a.m. I even had a, a meltdown flip out, and I was able to get this right on time as I wrap the stories. Guys, if you were here just for the news, thank you very much. I want to remind all of you that there's no show on Monday because of Christmas. I will have a three-day weekend with my family. Super pumped about that. January 4th is the quarterly State of Simply Cyber Accountability Meeting. I host these meetings every quarter where essentially guys, if you don't know, I do this full time and you are my boss, the simply cyber community. I'm a member. Um, obviously I have a specific role in the community, but I see myself as uh, accountable to you. So I will be presenting, uh, what I told you I would do at the last, um, quarterly meeting. I will show you that I have done those things and what you like what the output is that from that cyber 101 is a major piece of that. And then I will tell you what I will be doing in the next 90 days, uh, soliciting feedback, celebrating wins, um, and sharing ideas. We've got massive amounts of production improvements coming in 2024, new brand identity, um, professional brand identity, professional production of the shows. I've hired, um, Kathy chambers, a production, um, expert on tightening things up. The audio will be improved. BSEC, Base Case, and Jesse Johnson with decades of experience will um, basically lock my, handcuff me away from my mixing board. And we'll get that all sorted out. So please come on out. It's going to be a great show January 4th. Um, I say 4 to 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, but we can run late if we need to. Um, I got massive amounts of podcasts uh, launching in 24. It's going to be all about good times. If you are here just for the news, thank you so very much. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And uh, thank you for all you do. Be well, everybody. And if you want to hang out and do 
jawjacking. Come on down. I got to check my schedule, make sure I don't have a meeting. I, I do have a meet. Hold on. Let's do some jawjacking. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the party. Oh my gosh, welcome to the party. I see some of my friends uh, who are not in information security, uh, like Brent Gary, texting me. Very, very uh, not suitable for work um, stuff. Let me check my calendar really quickly, though, and then we'll launch jawjacking. I have a, I have an interview with Dakota State University at 10 a.m. to talk about the Rita Award and all the great work Dakota State University is doing. But the good news is I am here until 9.30. Oh, we got a super chat coming in from Cyber Ninja, Cyber Ninja. I like that. Happy holidays, Simply Cyber community. Wishing all health, happiness, and good vibes in the new year. Thank you for the super chat. Just become best friends. And thank you for the kind, kind, uh, well wishes. Very, very nice. If you're uh, new here, this is Jawjack, and I'm your host, Jerry Guy. This comes in hot, 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 right after the uh, Daily Cyber Threat Brief. And basically, we just kick it, AMA, uh, chat, share resources. Um, It's all about good times in here. Yeah, Sid Patton, partay. I love it. What's going on, everybody? Mm. I see um, Christopher K. Hall saying it's not a leftover sandwich. That makes me think, you ever seen that Simpsons episode? It's an old one where Homer's trying to eat the, um, like the sub, like the 25-foot sub, and it starts getting moldy and stuff, and like Marge throws it in the trash, and he pulls it out of the trash and eats it. I think he like, I think he like hallucinates afterwards, too. That's a really funny scene. Uh, I feel like, oh, this is like an unofficial Christmas party. ZMF for the win. Yeah, let's get ZMF in here. Here we go. Thank you, uh, mod. Oh, whoop. Here we go, mods. Here we go. Christmas party. <laughs> Christmas party. Woop, woop, woop. Angular, member four months. Thanks, Angular. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone. Have a great time. I'm off next week. Try to catch the stream on vacation. Heck yeah. ISC2 certified and cyber candidate here. Yo. Yeah, Don Ricardo. Congratulations. Good to see you, Don Ricardo. Congrats. I hope everybody's ready for 2024. What kind of, hey, kind of curious just for fun. You guys want to, what kind of professional goals people got for 2024? Would love to share those and celebrate everybody. Um, what they're wanting to accomplish in 24. <laughs> Mia W remembers that episode. She likes it. Uh, Cy Beer Ninja. My wife and I brew beer now and then. So I, I thought, in a, oh, cool. Cy Beer Ninja. I used to brew beer myself. Um, then I had kids and I lost. Brewing beers takes a lot of time <laughs> to do it right. Oh, Chris Young, Pass Network Plus. I like that. I, I like that, Chris Young. 's getting into AWS sec Chris Young will be taking it on January 3rd well we will have a episode on January 3rd so we will get excited for you Jonathan Lindsay get a real job well guess what Jonathan Lindsay you are all lined up for success 
Get some Azure certs in here. I like that. Cybeer's getting the CISP. Love it, love it, love it. Dave Robbins, real job. I like it. All right. Hate to ask a stupid question, but what platform is everyone on? Hey, so Tim Astras, definitely don't sweat that, man. There's no stupid questions, okay? We are on YouTube right now, Tim Astras. Um, let me let me see if I can do this. Go, Hey, Tim Astras, go to simplycyber.io slash streams, and it'll come up. Uh, let me do this. I see you right now, Tim Astros. I'm going to message you on LinkedIn since you're on LinkedIn right now. Check this out, man. Um, there you go. I just, hold on. Let me make it so you can click on it, Tim. Boom. Get in here, Tim. All right. Hey, everybody. Tim Astros is coming over to YouTube. Uh, David Monge got a separation package from my job at in application support, but using that to move to cyber in 24. Oh, Dave, that's sucks. Hopefully it's a good package. Hopefully you're able to enjoy the holiday season and definitely excited for what you can do in 2024, man. Uh, Chris Young, if you're ever doubting your question, just watch old episodes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't sweat that. Hey, Jerry, long time lurker. Hey, Raymond Howell. I'm glad you stepped into the light first time live. Recently completed Eric Capuano's lab, configuring and deploying sensors with Lima Charlie. What are some ways to get real life experience? Well, I mean, that that is real life experience, uh, Raymond. Absolutely, because um, that's what you're going to be doing. Um, if you want to do sock work, um, you can. Well, first of all, you can stand up, um, basically a sim, and set like basically kind of do sec ops for your home. Uh, that is an option. Um, I, I would honestly argue that in, by the way, we're talking about this really quickly. Um, let me see if I can pull it up. Um, if you don't, cause I want, oh, where are we going? I want people to know what I'm talking about. Uh, go to playlists right here. Sock analyst. Oh no. Hold on. Sock. Hold on. Where is that coming from? Hold on. Oh, here it is. Oh my God. Like there's a video playing in one of these windows and I don't know where it is. And it's like, I'm like listening to myself in my ear right now. I got to find it. Hold on. Oh my God. Where are you? Oh, hold on one second. Oh my God. Oh my God. Where are you? Oh my God, where am I? Where are you? Oh. All right, hold on. Okay, so this is this is the channel right here um, that we're talking about, okay? Oh my God, thank God I got that out of my ear. All right. Um, okay, so, sorry guys, I just like had a meltdown. Um, so what I would say is, if you can do SecOps at home, um, malwaretrafficanalysis.net has awesome PCAP files that you can work through. Um, there is, uh, oh, oh, Tim, oh, Tim, uh, or who asked that question? Raymond Howell. I'm sorry, Raymond. Here's another awesome resource you should, you might want to give consideration for, for real practical experience. Um, come on. Check this out. 
anti-siphon training, Raymond, right? I talk about them every morning. Go to training. Um, oh, my God. Right here, Active Defense Cyber Deception with John Strand. This class is a free class. It's the final week of January if you have availability. It's 16 hours long. Again, it says 25 to 575, but you can take it for zero if you want. Um, I have a full review of this course. I took this course. It is awesome, okay? And it's very, very, I would say, like advanced SOC analyst experience stuff because basically you're putting in honey pots, honey tokens. You're tricking people. You're, you're being mindful of these practices. You don't really do this often in uh, like entry-level SOC um, training and stuff like that. So this is really, really valuable. Again, um, I'll drop a link to this. This is, I would recommend everybody take this. This course is like awesome. I loved it. Plus John's awesome. Um, so why would I say that? So Raymond, when you say real experience, dude, all the things you're doing, all the tools you're touching, all the skills you're developing, capture them as skills on your resume on how you can deliver value to an organization. Okay. Believe me, that's how to do it. Okay. Sorry. I was like losing my, myself. Um, all right. So did Tim, did Tim Astris get up in here? Oh, here we go. I see him in YouTube. Good to see you, Tim. Gold to develop an app with AI that helps people with mental health. That's awesome, Tim. That's awesome. Let's see what else we got in here. Um, Ooh, I like it. Let's see. Um, Tim, Tim Astros, a counselor really only asks you questions about and makes you think things through. I, a bot could do that. Uh, Luke Canfield worth CPEs. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, Luke Canfield. If you're talking about active defense and cyber deception, it's worth, I think 16 CPEs. I know you get a half a CPE for working with me, but let, like, uh, you can get 16. I just searched cybersecurity and rap and came across teaching YouTube video. That's funny. Um, space tacos in the house would love your opinion, Jerry. Should I tackle Linux or Python first? Heard some great opinions, but never heard from you. Thanks. Happy Festus. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks for the super chat. Linux or Python first. Um, you know, honestly, space tacos, if it was me, I would pick up Linux first because you're going to, you're going to like, I would learn Linux first and I wouldn't try to become a Linux admin. I would just get comfortable running around on the terminal shell and using Linux in that capacity and then take on Python because in reality you can run Python on windows boxes, but you're going to do a lot in Linux. So I feel like having a basic fundamental foundation of Linux will help you when you go into Python. Um, you know what I mean? So so that's what I would do. Um, plus, again, plus like learning Python and playing with Python scripts and stuff, I feel like that's more open-ended. So like Linux, you can, you can commit a month and, and be done and ready to go. Python, you could commit like, you know, as much time as you want it because it can go in many different directions, not just programming like, what is a variable? What's a control loop? What are all these things? But also, what are these packages? What imports? Like, let's make a web scraper. Let's do a keylogger. Like, you can go in many, many directions. Whereas Linux, it's like, this is Linux. This is how you use it. It's like, it'd be like asking me, and again, I always come up with silly metaphors, but like, it's like learning how to drive a car, okay? And then like 
so you're like, okay, this is how a car works. Pedal, steering wheel, seatbelt. Okay, I got it. And then being like, all right, I'm going to try to get into like four wheeling, race car racing, um, be- becoming a mechanic and working on the cars, like all these other kind of dimensions uh, related to cars. Like you can go in many different directions, but driving a car, it's the same whether you're racing, four wheeling, driving to work. And I don't, please don't rip me apart because I know like race car racing is different than four wheeling, but you get my, hopefully chat gets my, my drift. That's what I would do. Um, BSEC is saying, if you go to try hack me, you can actually get Linux and Python stuff to begin learning. That's true. Uh, also TCM Academy has Linux 101 classes in there. Um, all right. But hey, guys, by the way, uh, Josh Mason is also echoing Linux first and uh, using TryHackMe rooms to do that. Um, not to mention, once you're going to both, you know how to describe what you want, ChatGPT and Cloud or ways to help you speed up learning. Absolutely. What's the best way to learn PowerShell? Tim McDonald asks. That's a great question. I suck at PowerShell. Um, it, for everybody's, in case anybody was wondering, PowerShell is definitely not my strength. Um, what I use PowerShell for is basically when I analyze malware that is written in PowerShell. And, you know, like when, when once you understand how code works and programming, they're all the same. It's just different ways that the programs are written. Unless you're, and again, please don't blow me up and chat about like logic programming versus like, um, like recursive programming and stuff like that, like basic programming, like control flows, variables, imports, um, et cetera. Um, once you know how code works, you kind of read it the same way. So like PowerShell, I suck at it. But if anyone in chat has a great PowerShell um, course, I would love to know, because I'd love to be able to tell people. So I'm, I'm looking at you guys. Um Okay, I'm looking through chat right now. Uh, BSEC says, what do you want to use PowerShell for? That's a good question. Um, maybe just basic understanding PowerShell. Great show as usual. Oh, hey, did Rhonda Rummerfield tag somebody for the um, Simply Cyber Community Challenge? I, I, did not, um, I did not follow through on that. I'm sorry. Is Rhonda still here? Um, sorry, chat. Can chat remind me if, if we did the simply cyber community challenge? Uh, I'm also going to ask chat GPT. What's the best way to learn? Um, ready? I'm new to cybersecurity. What is the best way to learn PowerShell? Let's see what chat GPT says. All right, here we go. I take uh, PowerShell scripts and rip them apart and learn what they're doing. Yeah, that's definitely... I I, I definitely find um, learning PowerShell by... Or learning anything by looking at actual examples is better. Um, yeah, PowerShell... I mean, ChatGPT is just kind of breaking down some things for me. Not really super useful. <laughs> All right. Cyber Newbie took the baton. Thank you. Uh, Rhonda, and thank you, Cyber Newbie. Looking forward to your posts. Um, also, 
Hey, we're not going to have a show on... Let me do this really quickly. We're not going to have a show on Monday. We're not going to have a show on Monday. But on Mondays, I do the Simply Cyber Community member uh, shout out. And I just want to do this right now because I, I already know who I, who I would pick. All right, check it out really quickly. Every single Monday um, during the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief, I um, recognize one of the Simply Cyber community members and give them a shout out and everything. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, this Monday is Christmas. There will be no show. So I just wanted to do this. It's been on my mind lately. I would like to shout out a... Um, Simply Cyber Community member who I believe is almost exclusively on replay. And I hope uh, this member is watching this right now. There's a member named Misty Eyed. Misty Eyed. If you are, um, are happy or you use the captions, the closed captioning on the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, Misty Eyed is the one who asked for that and really, really um, held me accountable to it. Um, we do, we do, uh, Kimberly and I, we do have to make some, um, configuration changes to every single episode of the daily cyber threat briefing to enable those closed captions to show up. Uh, so it is, it is a, it, like a task that has to be conducted on every single daily cyber threat briefing episode. But I want you to know that like, I, I, I believe and I, I, I walk the walk. I don't just talk the talk. So when I say inclusion, and supportive and inclusive for everybody. If people need the closed captioning for, you know, for whatever reason, right? Um, I want to be inclusive. So misty-eyed, um, thank you for being the catalyst that resulted in us having the closed captions for the daily cyber threat briefing and really all of the content on Simply Cyber's YouTube channels. So if you're uh, consuming that, it, thank Misty-Eyed. And thank you, Misty-Eyed, for making Simply Cyber a better place for everybody. All right, let's keep going. Oh, yeah, that's another another fun one. If you're interested, uh, you can actually take a PowerShell script, dump it in ChatGPT. You could stick any script in ChatGPT and ask ChatGPT to explain what uh, it, it's doing. So you can definitely um, help learn faster uh, doing that. DP loves the closed captioning feature. Well, there you go. Thanks, DP. Frederick, you, you're so nice. You're so nice. You rock. All right. Mike Glover got sued for not having a site that could be ready. Read by tools for the blind. Jesus. I mean, is there any... I mean, I'm happy to do it, but is that is there like... How can you get sued for a YouTube channel? Uh, Jawan Hart asks, Curious Dr. Osher, have you ever met Professor Messer? Would you ever collab? I have never met Professor Messer. Um, I've heard great things about him. Um, I got my Security Plus in like, <laughs> like 2006. Um, I got my Security Plus so long ago that... It didn't expire. Like now I think it expires every three years. Like CompTIA wasn't even doing that at the time. Um, so I, I don't, I, I haven't worked with Professor Messer. I've heard really, really nice things about Professor Messer. I would be happy to collaborate with Professor Messer. I'll collaborate with, with uh, anyone that's in the community, helping people level up and, and get better uh, 
at cybersecurity, like, let's go, you know? Legrat, um, let me know if you guys want to talk about CMMC. I see some chat uh, around CMMC. Nice. Chris Young's 100% uh, professor messering it. That's nice. Don't sleep on uh, Jesse Johnson's security slay, or uh, excuse me, slaying security plus. That's kind of like, um, I don't know if you would consider it a Simply Cyber thing, but it, it, it organically grew out of Simply Cyber and uh, super, super proud of Jesse and everybody that's involved with that. Chris Young, Chris Whitlock doing the GRC study hall. That's another thing that kind of organically grew out um, of Simply Cyber. So yeah, this whole thing is awesome. With the Sec Plus, uh, Cassis plays, says, would the Sec Plus still be worth getting if you're going for the AZ500 already? Any thoughts? Yeah. So again, I'm not some CompTIA shill, but in the industry, Sec Plus does have value from an... Um, HR perspective, yes, AZ500, which is basically the security architect Azure cert, has value all unto itself, but it's very focused on uh, Azure, right? Whereas Sec Plus is kind of like generic and domain, um, domains, you know, the different domains and fundamentals. Uh, if you're going to get a job, I could see Sec Plus being something that like either moves you forward or throws you in the trash, even though you know everything already. It's just one of those certs that HR uses as a qualifier to make it easy to weed out from like 500 applications down to like 20. Um, also, you know, I would say um, to whoever asked that question, I'm sorry, I, I missed who asked it, but uh, Cassis plays. Um, you should be networking, right? If you have a network connection that can get you a job, then the Sec Plus means a little bit less, but... I, I, for me, for my dollar, for my versatility, um, in, in the, in the situation, I would get the sec plus and then also the AZ 500. All right. What else we got here? Nice. Uh, space taco saying, look up professor Roger free sec plus course with free training. I like that. Jesse Johnson sneak it in. What's up, Jesse? Um, all right. So we're getting a lot of love here for Professor Messer. Again, I've heard really, really good things about Professor Messer. So let's rock. You know who I'm trying to do a uh, collab with? Like we did a lot of work on it and it's just hard. Um, there's a YouTuber named Unix guy or that Unix guy. I think, um, he does a lot of security content, but he's in Australia and the time zones are brutal for coordinating and collaborating. We were going to do one of those produced YouTube videos where like, we have like the same three questions and like I ask it and throw it to him and he throws it to me. Like we wanted a really complicated video and uh, unfortunately that's what's up. Uh, Side Beer Ninja says, CMMC, what are your thoughts on break glass account not having multi-factor authentication? Oh, um, I don't, I mean, CMMC, here's the thing. I like multi-factor authentication for all accounts wherever possible. If you're not going to have multi-factor authentication on a break glass account, and by the way, a break glass account is like an emergency backdoor account. If 
you know, say your MFA system goes down and you, or, you know, your authentication breaks or something like that, or someone compromises your domain admins, you need an account to be able to like break in and go through the side door. The problem is a threat actor, if they find that account, they have broken in. Um, here's my thought. I'm not unreasonable. Okay. So if you're not going to have MFA on it, which I can see an argument for it, you absolutely need to have massive detections in place. Like the second that account gets enabled or the second that account logs in, immediately notifications are fired off to everybody. I'm talking like, like danger, Will Robinson. Like you need, because really, if you're using that account, like things are bad. And so like you should never ever um, see that account. Also, I don't know if you want to do this, but I would actually create like three accounts 